Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Tuesday, October 4th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I know that this podcast is called Think for Yourself, but today I want to talk a bit also about speaking for yourself. Speaking about what you really believe, speaking from your heart, not speaking from your mind. And I want to make that distinction as I go, because that distinction is very real. I also want to talk about truth because it's a favorite topic of mine. In fact, people who know me my entire life or who have known me for any length of time will tell you that I can be annoying when it comes to the truth. And the reason that I think I'm annoying is because I have always, I've always believed and then I came to feel that truth has an actual visceral reaction in us when we're speaking it or when we've landed in it through conversation. I believe that truth has a feeling in and of itself and you know it when you're in it. And if you're in a dialogue with someone, you both know it because it has a presence that is very powerful and it tends to put to rest or at least to minimize everything else in a conversation that has preceded it that may not be truthful, that may not have been at the point of truthfulness. The point of truthfulness is a very real location, if I can use that word in a non-physical sense. I want to give you an example, and it's very personal, and you may think, I don't know what you're going to think of me after you hear it, but it's the best example I can give you of what I'm saying about truth. Years ago, many years ago, when I, my ex-husband and I got married, shortly after we got married, we had an argument one night. And it was late at night. It was after 11 p.m. It was a weekday. I was working. I had my own law practice. He was an engineer with the utility company. And he got out of bed and he began to get dressed in the dark in the bedroom. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going out. And I said, you're going out? We're having an argument. Where are you going? And he said, I don't, I'm just going out. And I said, well, I don't understand. You're just going out at 11 o'clock at night? And he said, yes. And I said, we just got married. This is not what you do. This is not good for the marriage, what you're doing. And he said, I don't care whether or not it's good for the marriage. It's good for me. And he left. And sometime before morning, he came home. Well, the next day, I had a case to try, and I was in court in the morning. And when I left court, I went to the local bank, which was only a few blocks from my office, which is where my business accounts were. And one of the accounts you have as an attorney is called an escrow account. And it's where you put retainer money that people give you when they retain you as an attorney, but it's before you've earned the money. You can't draw it down until you've put in the hours that allow you to bill that money and draw it down. So in essence, an escrow account is not my money. I'm holding it for a third party. 
When I was at the bank after my hearing and I was making a deposit of a client's check into my escrow account, I had a thought. I said to the teller, I'd like to make a withdrawal from my personal checking account. And at the time there was $15,000 in the checking account and it was a joint account with my husband. And I said, take everything out of the account and transfer it to my escrow account. So leave, I think I left $100 in the joint checking account. $14,900 roughly went over into my escrow account. And I left the bank and I went back to my office and a few hours later I headed home. When I pulled in in front of our townhouse, there was my ex-husband, then-husband's car in front of the house. The trunk was up and the doors were open and the car was packed, fully packed. And as I pulled up, he was coming out of the front door of the house carrying some final items. And when he saw me, he said to me, how could you do that? And I said, do what? And he said, how could you take that money? I said, I didn't take the money. What do you mean you didn't take them? I said, I didn't take the money. He said, don't tell me you didn't take the money. I went to make a withdrawal and there's $100 in the checking account and there was $15,000 in the checking account. You took the rest of the money. And I said, I did not take the money. I moved the money. He said, what do you mean you moved the money? And he was furious. And I said, it's in my escrow account. It's not mine. It's just being held in my escrow account. And he said, you just moved all that money to your attorney account? Well, you know what? I don't think that's okay. And I don't think that was, that was a very good thing to do. And I looked him smack in the eye and I said, well, it might not be good for the marriage, but it was good for me. In that sentence, he just stopped in his tracks. All the anger went out of him. And he looked at me and he said, I got it. I got it. So the truth of that was, and again, I don't know what you'll think of me from that story, but the truth of it is when he said leaving at 11 o'clock at night wasn't good for the marriage, but it was good for him, he didn't understand that until that came back in a way that brought the truth of what I was saying to him the night before, which is this isn't how you behave in a relationship. The truth is very powerful. And as I say, it tends to obliterate all of the unnecessary and deflectionary, if that's such a word, dialogue that comes before it. The truth is riveting in the moment. So for me, I can always feel when, especially in a dialogue with someone else, we haven't gotten to the truth or there's some obstacle to getting at the truth. I think one of the most detrimental things that has happened to the nation in the last few years with cancel culture is that because it inhibits people from not only speaking their truth, but speaking, period. I mean, all of the political divisions that have taken place, all of the camps or tribes that we've all found ourselves in has prevented us from truly being able to dialogue, to converse with people who have different opinions than we do. And the real loss in that, the real tragedy of that, 
is that it is in the exchange of diverse ideas. It is in dialogue. It is sometimes even in impassioned and heightened and almost argumentative or highly debated dialogue that you get at the truth. Because if all you can do is see your own perspective, if that's your only point of reference, well, admittedly, you've got a very narrow view. That doesn't mean that your view can't be correct. You may be coming from truth. But unless that's tested, unless that's challenged, unless you allow that to be challenged, you'll never know. You'll simply believe that because it's yours, it's the truth. We are living in a time when, admittedly, because of the different tribes and the different camps and cancel culture, it's very difficult to get at the truth. Many of us are on our own, in a sense, in trying to figure it out. But it's very important for us as individuals. It's important for us as a culture. It's certainly important for us as a species that we have the courage to stand for what is objective truth. And I grant you that there's a whole lot about perception that is subjective, but there are some things that are true. Even if you're a mystical metaphysical person like I am, who believes that if we knew how to properly perceive solid matter like a wall, we could part those atoms and walk through it. Even if you believe something like that, as I do, I have to acknowledge that there's objective truth in that in this 3D reality, before we figure out how to do that, that wall is a solid and I can't walk through it. And that's objective truth. And there's no disputing that, not in this reality, not under our present capabilities. So objective truth does exist. And it's important for all of us to be able to stand up and defend it if necessary when it's challenged by what can only be called absurdity. And there is absurdity in the world that we're living in now. You know, I was listening recently to another Jordan Peterson podcast. It's more correct to say I was listening to a Jordan Peterson interview where he was saying that there is joy and liberation in wherever a conversation goes in search of truth. And I concur that because, as I said earlier, not only do I think that the truth has a feeling in and of itself, but getting there really in search of it is joyful and is liberating because when you reach it, You know that you have gone from basically knowledge to wisdom. You can feel the difference. He also made the point that life is not continual happiness, but it is a continual adventure. And I think that is something we all need to remind ourselves as we each encounter the challenges and the difficulties and the tragedies that happen to us along our life path. Nowhere is it written that life is always supposed to be happy. Nowhere is it written that things are always supposed to go okay. In fact, if you're remotely religious and you read whether it's the Torah, the first five books of Moses, the Old Testament, or whether you read the New Testament, the Christian Testament, or whether you read any of the world's great religions, to the contrary, All of the stories, all of the mythology, and if you believe them, all of the truths of religious texts 
are endless stories of challenge, of failure, of adversity, of rising above. Ultimately, yes, ultimately we prevail. But getting there is not a shoe in And if you don't speak the truth, which I would tell you is the best adventure going, absolutely the best adventure going. If you don't speak the truth, well, let me say this. Let me just rephrase where I'm going. When you're in search of the truth, you really don't know what the result will be if you speak truth. Because the search for truth is not necessarily on solid ground. It can kind of rock you and it can cause you to doubt where you are in the moment. But if you keep going, if you keep going in search of truth, you'll find it. But you might not be getting what you expect when you get there. But when you speak truth, which is the greatest adventure, as Jordan Peterson said, then it's your adventure. It's not somebody else's adventure. It's your adventure. The crime that's happened in this country is that people are not only losing the ability to talk to one another and thereby losing the opportunity to get to the truth, they're also losing the adventure of their own lives. Because if you're spouting something because it's part of a political agenda that you align with, if you have an absolute position on something because it's the Democrat or it's the Republican position, that's not your truth. That's not your authentic voice. That's you parroting. That's you being a mimic. That's you not thinking for yourself and ultimately not speaking for yourself. That is a tragedy because you're missing your own life when you do that. And there are a lot of things right now which I think are objective truths. I think it's an objective truth. And I'm not going here because of politics. I'm going here because I think it's objectively true that the president is suffering from rapidly declining dementia. He has garbled speech. He uses the wrong words. He mispronounces words. He's physically confused as to where to move his body when he's on stage and either entering or exiting a speech that he's been giving or about to give. He's obviously confused. He recently tried to call up a dead person, someone who had died a month ago, a congresswoman in a tragic accident, for whom he gave a public condolence. He stood there in front of her constituency and called her up from the audience. That the president is suffering from rapid mental decline, probably dementia, maybe Alzheimer, I don't know, but certainly dementia, that is objectively true. Now, could we make it scientifically true? Well, maybe medically true if they would allow him to have the testing that he should be having and tell us the truth of the results, but they won't. But I can say objectively, looking at him and watching him and listening to him, just like I can look at the wall that's across the room from me and know that it's a solid at the moment, I know that he has rapid mental decline and that's a problem for the country. I know that statistics are exploding among a specific subset of the population, teenage girls who are suffering from gender dysphoria. That's a statistic. That's real. 
and that gender dysphoria has become something of a craze, something that has come seemingly out of nowhere and is infecting, and I can only use that word because I think it is a mass psychosis of sorts, a contagion, a mental or emotional contagion that is affecting groups of girls. I listened to one mother who said that her daughter, who never exhibited any kind of confusion about her own sexuality, her teenage daughter, in this past year in school, every single girl in this woman's daughter's social group thinks that they're the opposite gender. They're all suffering from gender dysphoria. That can't be. The objective reality is that something is happening to our children. They're either being exposed to or being taught or being groomed or being led in some way down a very dangerous path. You have to be able to say these things when you perceive them. And there is certainly a level of objectivity to it. If I'm wrong, if the president isn't suffering from dementia, as so many people in this country believe he is, as even the press corps challenged the White House press secretary this week, they refused to let go like a dog with a bone. Why was he calling up a dead person? When that happens, there's a way if we're all wrong, if all of us are off the chart, the president's just fine, then let them take some cognitive tests and let us hear or see the results. So there can be even more objectivity brought to what seemingly is a subjective conclusion. The COVID vaccines had dangerous levels of adverse events, even in the trial groups, even before they released it to the public. And now we know this. Now we know about myocarditis. Now we know about neuropathies. We know about migraines and rashes and things that have happened to people and continue to happen to people and that Pfizer and Merck and the others knew about. They knew about the dangers. They knew about the dangers of miscarriage. They knew about dangers around infertility. Those things are objectively true and need to be spoken to. They need the courage of each one of us to be able to step up and say, this is what is true. And if I'm wrong, then let's talk about it or let's investigate it. And I'm the first one to be able to step up and say, I was wrong on that because I don't want to be right on everything. I mean, there are people in my life who will probably tell you, yes, she does. <laughs> and there are people who haven't known me recently because when I was younger, that was true about me. I needed to be right about everything, but I don't need to be right about everything anymore. I need the truth more than I need anything else. That parents should have the last word about their children's health and about what their children are being taught is true. It is not true that teachers or school boards or the National Teachers Association or governments should be saying, what a child should or should not be able to do health-wise with their body or educationally. That is the purview of a parent. That's what parents are for. You know, I'm a lawyer. So in law, there's a concept called parents patriae. And parents patriae is a legal term. It refers to the government's power to act as a legal guardian for people who are unable to care for themselves. 
it's most commonly applied in custody cases of minor children where there are or dis, or disabled adults i might say minor children or disabled adults but when does the court step in it steps in when there is an incompetent parent or there is a parent who is a danger to the child Parents Patriae does not allow the government to step in any old time once and take control of your child's health and your child's education, and in essence, your child's well-being. But that's what's happening. It's happening in medicine. It's happening in government. It's happening in education. You know, this week, Gavin Newsom in California signed, um, I guess it was, I, I think it was a bill became a law. It might've been an executive order, but I don't think so. I think it was a bill that became law that children don't need parental consent to begin gender transformation or gender transition, I guess it is, or to have counseling or to begin beta blockers or whatever it is, hormones. They don't need parental consent in California, but worse than that, they don't have to tell the parents No one has to tell the parents and a doctor who refuses to do it can be subject to sanction or even lose his license. And if that's not enough, California is now a sanctuary state for gender dysphoric individuals. And if that is not enough, doctors in California through telemedicine can begin to prescribe beta blockers and other hormonal transition therapies by teleconferencing with children in other states. This is not okay. And I would not be truthful if I would say, well, society seems to be moving in that direction and therefore I'm going to go along. No, what's true is that it's perverse. What's true is that, speaking of perversion, is how perverted a couple of generations have become from pornography, from its availability and its extremism online and its 24-7 availability. I know someone whose life was, and probably still is, seriously and adversely affected by an addiction to pornography. I've seen this up close and personal. I know what it can do to someone and thereby what it will cause them to do to the people they love and the people that are around them. These are truths, and to whatever extent they're not true, I say, put them out there in the exchange of ideas in the public square, and let's talk about them. Let's debate them. But to come full circle, let me end where I began. You can't get to the truth if you're not allowed to, as Jordan Peterson said in a previous interview that I saw him partake in, if you're afraid to risk offending someone. And cancel culture has made us all afraid to offend one another. And as he also said, and I quoted in a prior podcast, and now I may be paraphrasing and not quoting, but when you stop someone, when you don't allow someone to speak truth, when you don't allow someone to speak or think for themselves, you make them dull and stupid. And we've become in many ways a dull and stupid nation. When Vladimir Putin 
two days ago in his annexation speech of those four provinces in eastern Ukraine that he took under Russian control and authority and integrated them into Russia. When Vladimir Putin can take an opportunity of a speech like that to include two or three paragraphs about the perversity of the West, how we've lost the moral high ground, how we've lost our moral compass, how we're stuck on gender dysphoria, how we're calling moms and dads parent one and parent two instead of mom and dad. When Vladimir Putin is giving us lectures on morality, we need to realize how far we've strayed from the truth. And to quote a woman who witnessed the Nazi Holocaust of World War II, a Polish woman who lived near the camps, who helped feed and house Jews who were at risk. To quote her, when asked, how did the righteous suddenly become righteous? Her response was, we didn't. We just refused to go off the cliff with everyone else. Be that person. Do not go off the cliff with everyone else. Know what you stand for and have the courage to speak what you stand for. So thinking for yourself, and speaking for yourself are the two greatest gifts you can give yourself and, by extension, give the nation. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back again. And until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.